You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Hi, y'all. This is Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First and the host of this podcast, Women of Influence. This podcast features conversations with Columbus's leading women in business in which they talk about how they gained power, how they keep it, and how other women can follow in their footsteps. Today, we're chatting with Rhea Cunningham, CFO and Director of HR at Fiesel. Thanks for joining us, Rhea. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start before the interview. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and I saw that you have a legal background, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's just not something I'm used to seeing for a, a chief finance officer. So. Nope. Can you start by telling me a little bit about what interested you in the law and then kind of how that got married to finance? Yep, sure. So I guess a number of stories combine. I have always just been curious about how the world works, how one navigates in, in our current society and you know how business ticked. And so I you know, started my education coming through the accounting and finance perspective. And while I was along my journey at Time Warner, um, which is where I started my career, we were doing a lot of joint ventures um, and a number of mergers and acquisitions. And I found myself poring over legal documents to make sure I understood how to operationalize those new ventures. And I just, I just found my curiosity pricked even further and wanted to understand more about the dynamic space um, of law that impacts an organization seeking to do business again in our communities. And so somewhere I had a middle of the night like, I'm going to do this. And I found Capital Law's program, um, which offered an experience for a non-traditional student such as myself, right? I was a professional working mom, a wife, and didn't have the ability to go offline and take the traditional path of full-time day program and Capital had uh, and I believe still has um, a fantastic evening program. So I enrolled and <laughs> the rest is kind of history. Mm -hmm. What it has done for me though, ultimately is allowed me to have wider perspective, I think mm -hmm. is what I'll say in terms of business operations. Again, I'm, I've, I've long been curious and I'm interested in how organizations tick, um, what makes people tick, and ultimately, I'm able to bring finance, accounting, a desire for enhancing the human experience and helping an organization navigate through the myriad of laws that affect day-to-day -day operations and decisions on the same. And I saw you actually have two law degrees. <laughs> Didn't I tell you I was curious? Um, <laughs> yes, um, I do. Uh, right. So I came out um, in 2010 uh, with a Juris Doctorate focused on publicly held entities. 
Um, and I stayed a little while longer. I just really liked it. Um, <laughs> but then received a master's of law in business and tax. Now you've been with Fiesel for ab about a year. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Yeah. So what brought you to this company? Have you always been interested in roofing? <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> I didn't know anything really about roofing. Um, prior to joining Fiesel, um, I was COO for a real estate development company and certainly had um, experience in the construction space. The organization had affiliated entities in property management, construction, and I was ready for a new challenge. Um, I didn't quite know what it would look like. My career path hasn't been one of a consistent um, type of business, um, but I've been well positioned, I suppose, is the easiest way to say that, given my curiosity and the educational path that I've taken, right? I've got these skills that are transferable to basically any type of organization. Um, and, and my goal had long been to become CFO, and I also wanted to be in a space where I could bring all of that perspective that I have with me, right? The, the legal the human experience, the finance and the accounting. And um, Leo and I met, Leo Roberto, our owner and president, he and I met and the rest has been history. And I'm the happiest I've ever been professionally in my whole entire life. And I, it's, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful organization to work with, work for, uh, be part of, and has helped me you know, realize that next kind of big goal that I had for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm having fun. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to be fired up um, and yeah. excited to come to work every single day and work with some fantastic people. Well, that's great. You mentioned, you know, your goal a couple of times there and said that it had been CFO. At what point did you, you know, set out, this is what I want to achieve and, and sort of how do you approach goal setting in your career? Yeah. Maybe I'm a little, no, I'm sure I'm a little different in this regard. I create for myself the, self these big lofty goals. Um, and then otherwise, I'm just with the flow. Um, I've learned over my career and my life that I need to be really conscious about the experiences that I cultivate for myself to be sure that they really are going to be rewarding and pull out of me my best self give me challenging opportunities to apply my gifts and talents, um, be surrounded with people who care about um, me and themselves. And so, you know, just along the way, it was, I want to do more. I'm ready for a bigger challenge. I want to influence the direction of an organization more deeply and, you know, from a different view, if you will, within the organization. All of that to say, some of it I just let come to me. You know, in terms of, does that prick my spirit? Does that feel, does it feel um, compelling to me? Does it feel like a stretch? That's my way of setting goals, at least as it relates to my professional space. I, I've, I've, I've had an enchanted career, I think is how I'll say that. Um, you know, I didn't set out to become CFO. I, again, was just curious about how businesses ticked. And I found myself growing through the organization and learning more about business operations and, and how all of the different functions unite it to create success um, and make impacts um, and just allowed myself to be led to those spaces. Obviously, I've had a chance to, to learn and, and tackle a totally uh, unexpected challenge this sure. year in the role. Yeah. So just tell me a little bit about, I mean, obviously all are, you know, you were continued, able to continue Thankfully, yes. people need roofs. Mm -hmm. But what has the pandemic experience been like for you? What impacts positive and negative did you yeah. feel? I think I'll start first with the human experience. We felt very early on the fear within our teammates, um, within the communities that we served. Um, and so helping people navigate to peaceful places 
um, I think was the first opportunity for us um, as it relates to the pandemic. Yes, we were are an essential business. Um, and so, you know, we had the technical and logistical challenges of figuring out how to stay mobilized, continue to support our communities with repairs, replacements, life is still happening, right? Um, buildings still need attention. Um, and so how we elegantly found ways to keep our team motivated, keep them positive, uplifted, give them resources um, to channel and express, to help them feel safe. Um, and so I would say that was our first and biggest and still ongoing focus area is how to keep folks engaged despite what we know is happening in the world around us and for families around us and ever closer are the impacts of, of COVID for many of us that has really been the focus. Um, mm -hmm. we, we learned very quickly on um, that we were able to not much miss a beat, right, as the stay-at-home orders came down. Um, we operate in a number of states, um, and I would suggest that we've gone the most constrained route for all of our properties, regardless of how accessible other communities allowed folks to move in and out and doing, you know, kind of normal business as usual things. Um, but we mobilized pretty quickly um, and, and kept the team engaged, connected, heavily reliant on technology. And we weathered that first stay at home order, we think pretty, pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're back in the office now and, you know, watching, you know, the latest prognostications and, and what's happening in our communities where our health officials are, are seeing the trends um, and then being mindful of and anticipating what next moves and, and, and adjustments um, we might need to make to do our part, again, to keep our, our teammates safe and the communities that we continue to support safe. Personally, did you go to work from home for part of the I time? did. Mm -hmm. I did. <laughs> How was that to navigate? Do you um, right. Down? I mean, so it, it, it certainly um, allowed me to have an authentic, empathetic experience for the rest of my teammates, right? I much prefer to be here in the office and with my team. I love engaging with our people. Um, and so being at home, I felt very constrained, right? Mm -hmm. I distant. I missed the camaraderie and, you know, our, our team high fives and celebrating wins, catching people doing good literally in the moment um, with distance. Um, and so that was a challenge for me. Um, the other challenge for me personally was I did have a, a number of moments where I just felt like I couldn't do my normal things. My, my movements were restricted. Mm -hmm. um, my gym closed, my pool closed. I know first world problems, but you know, it was like, wait, I had to create my own new normal for my own personal um, health and, and peace. And so, you know, arriving at those moments of recognition and then figuring out um, that I got to do something different um, to keep myself fueled was, I would say, the most impactful phenomenon for me tied to pandemic and more specifically stay at home. And I'm sure not um, unlike lots of people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You have this sharp moment, you know, and, and now we're turning left and, and we're home. <laughs> um, and, you know, starting to, to um, engage in ways differently, yet again, doing my part to keep the business moving. So I guess I'm Glad y'all figured out a way to be back in the office. We obviously are still. I see, I see. <laughs> and lots of our peers are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, you know, my company has basically just said it's, we're getting it done, you know, as is, so uh, why make the change? But it, you do lose some stuff, I think. Yeah, we felt that. 
Also, I've gained a lot of weight. So uh, <laughs> I definitely did. <laughs> I love to cook, right? And so <laughs> I'm home and I'm cooking all the time, right? You know, I'm, I'm actually preparing a meal for myself for breakfast or, or brunch and I'm preparing a late lunch for myself and then it's dinner. And oh, I look up and I'm like, I haven't left this house all day long. And it was cold, you know, to top it off. And ugh, yes, that, that was definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah, yesterday I went outside in the evening and I was like, oh my God, it's so hot. I've been like freezing yeah. all day sitting in the air conditioning. You just like yeah. lose track of what's happening in the world. Totally. Um, so you, I want to go back to a little bit earlier part of the conversation. You talked about when you were going to law school and you were still working. And I believe you said you had kids at home at that point too, yep. right? Yep. So yep. just tell me a little bit about how you did that. <laughs> what, was, oh. what was the hardest part? What was the key to kind of making it work? Yeah. You know? So I think I'll start here. I, I was blessed with a family that told me I could do anything I put my mind to. And from an early age, I, w I was embraced um, and supported to, there was something I wanted to do, Rio was going to go get it done. Um, and so I really did find myself pulling on that knowing, that self-confidence, and I, I learned a couple of time management tips early on in my law school career that proved wildly beneficial for me to find a way to attend classes, go to work and give of me, take care of my daughter, take care of my husband, and find some time for me, and still excel. You know, do I think and I don't actually um, think this ever happens, this notion of balance, like equal parity in, in, in all things, no, but, but I, was I was able to find a way to give of me in each of those spaces. Mm -hmm. Part of my law school journey was a little extra taxed, I think is how I'll say that. Um, the summer before I was heading, heading into law school, um, I had to go to a doctor's appointment and my GP says to me, hey, have you noticed the swelling in your neck? said, nope. I had been moving at breakneck pace for work. We had gone through a series of expansions in terms of our territory and responsibility. And, and you know, I had a young daughter, a young family, um, and was literally moving at a thousand miles a minute. I, I lost sight of me quite literally. And next thing I know, I'm meeting with an endocrinologist and I'm diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Oh my God. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, never, I never took on the diagnosis as a sign of defeat. I just wouldn't let it get in my way. And I remember saying to my endocrinologist, listen, I need you to figure out how to schedule this surgery so that I have enough recovery time because I have to hit law school come end of August. <laughs> and it was, again, just this refusal to be denied, this refusal to be stuck um, and set back um, meaningfully from what was then my goal. I was going to do law school well. Cancer was not going to get in my way. And so, you know, I, I, I walked into law school still um, recovering physically, um, but uh, this, this, this knowing um, and this certainty and this desire and drive ultimately to do it, to get at it, to pull everything out of that experience that I could was my focus. Mm -hmm. That thing got done. <laughs> <laughs> and so have you, was that, you know, was it, I don't know the right, the right terminology. Oh, you're fine. Where you're healthy after that? Well, yeah, healthy, <laughs> right. So I, I don't have a thyroid. We caught it early enough. The spread to my lymph nodes was at first concerning and then proved to be not an issue. Um, pretty rigorous treatment at the outset. And, you know, an ongoing vigilance, right, to stay connected with my health professionals to make mm -hmm. sure that this physical vessel of mine is, is ticking the way that it's supposed to. And I'm doing the things to 
um, support its health. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm cancer free and thankful. And in ways I'm thankful even to have had that life experience because it taught me a lot about myself. I remember healing. I was home um, and I, I couldn't talk. Um, and I'm a talker. <laughs> I'm a talker. And, and it really helped me put into perspective being very thoughtful about what I say. Mm -hmm. um, words have power, words have import, but what I say to create meaning, to, to advance whatever thing that is that I choose to put my voice on. Um, and it helped me remember that I do have a voice. And again, just to use it very thoughtfully. What a story. I'll follow them. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm going to uh, pivot again a little bit. And this is a huge question, but I just kind of want to leave it open-ended for you. I think, you know, as a black woman and a business leader, what's been your takeaway from the sort of national reckoning we've been having for the past yeah. couple months? Um, yeah. You know, what do you, what do you think people in Columbus, especially in the business community should be taking away and, and what do you want to see change or evolve or, or what happens next? I feel, I feel anger. I feel frustration. I feel a communal need to be heard, to be seen, to be engaged as equals with gifts and talents and contributions to be made, to be rewarded, to be celebrated. And I think for us as business leaders, and we, we, Leo Ross, our CEO and I, talk a lot about what's happening around us, which we know is also happening within us. Mm -hmm. um, and our focus is to listen um, and to allow um, ourselves to be moved to places of health and common care and concern and, in, in my vernacular, love for one another. Um, we know people are hurting. Um, we know people are confused. Um, we know people are fearful um, in many ways. Um, we've all been affected. And our first, our first move, our first position, if you will, um, is to listen, right? We, we represent a very diverse consumer base and we need to be mindful of, as other business leaders I think should be as well, consumer demands are evolving always have been, but we've got a different um, dynamic influencing the evolution of those changes that are expected of us um, as business leaders as we engage. And mm -hmm. so thoughtfulness, awareness, mindfulness, open, empathetic, and, and figuring out ways authentically for us to engage. So you, you mean they're sort of, you know, consumers are more, want to see more essentially kind of focus on or openness to conversations about social justice, even from the people selling them their roofs. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the construction industry is, from my perspective, not the most diverse industry. And, you know, we're, we're aware and seeing a desire for, from our consumers, a desire for um, experiences that are reflective of who they are and purchasing decisions um, being influenced by their beliefs on how authentic organizations are um, in terms of that care, that concern, and um, a desire to do better. You know, more personally to you, have there been 
I would assume, especially in the industry you're in, there have been times in your career where you're either the only woman in the room or maybe the only black woman in the room. Um, and sort of, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what challenges that brings and, and how you've dealt with that? Sure. Um, I'm chuckling because I, I wear my differences, right, outwardly. I was, I was, I was blessed to grow up, though, professionally with um, a really supportive group of female leaders and you know I look back now and and I think how one dynamic an opportunity and, and growing ground that was for me but it, it, it allowed me to know and feel ever more confident that women can move in spaces of leadership of high leadership of most senior leadership um, and, it, and it allowed me to have a vision for my own stretch I remember and have had several experiences where folks come in having not done any research on me, which is fine, um, but are, I, I physically watch them jar um, when they know that I am black, young, and operating in, you know, whatever, finance leadership space, and I'm an attorney, and I happen to like fountain pens and boating. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've always, though, had a way of disarming folks, I think, right? And figuring out how we really are all related and connected um, and, and drawing on similar experiences, again, tied to my curiosity, um, just to help, you know, normalize the interaction. So, you know, I don't, I don't let folks' biases um, and their preconceived notions um, get in the way of what it is we're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I just I kind of take it head on sometimes. And, you know, often by the time we finish the conversation, it's, it's a non-issue. A couple more questions here. One a lot lighter, I think. What do you do to unwind after a particularly stressful day? Yeah, um, it depends on what the stressors were for the day. Um, and, you know, I, I try to give myself constant permission to do what feels good in the moment, right? And so that could be for me, I'm coming home, I'm clipping into my cycling shoes and I'm gonna burn 15, 20 miles on the trail. Um, it could be that I'm coming home, I'm cranking up the music and I'm flinging open all of the doors and I'm dancing mm -hmm. um, all over my place. Um, it could be that I need to get all the way in my head um, and in my heart and I'm doing some yoga and, and giving my body some time and attention and love. I love fountain pens, mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes I'll just sit and doodle um, or write a letter, especially in these days, right, when our connectivity is, is so constrained, um, mm -hmm. finding ways to connect with my loved ones. You know, who doesn't love getting a, a note in the mail? Yeah. Uh, just to idea. say, hey. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it depends. It really I does know. depend. I, I do work really hard to allow myself what feels good. Uh -huh. Sometimes it might just be sitting out by the pool and catching some sun rays. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me more about the fountain pen interest. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Right. So part of it, <laughs> it's funny, you're, you're learning so much about it. <laughs> part of it really does stem from my youth. I've always loved words and I've always loved, there's something that sparks for me watching a thought form, crystallize, and then find itself on a page. Um, there's something very cathartic for me to just literally write. You know, I type all day and I'm communicating all day, um, but the, the exercise of writing pulls me to a space that just is, I'm very peaceful. 
Um, and so Fountain Pen specifically, I have a mentor, he's an attorney um, and longtime family friend. Um, and years ago, he introduced me to Fountain Pens and gave me my first Fountain Pen. And I just was fascinated. Plus the Oh, I don't know the, the, the difference, if you will, folks, you know, who walks around with fountain pens? I have like a whole collection of them in my office. Um, I love going to the fountain pen show and the people that you get to meet. And again, another way to connect and understand that despite all of these, you know, outwardly parent differences, there are all kinds of ways that we can find connectivity with other people. And so I'm prayerful that the um, Ohio Pen Show will still um, be on um, later this year. Uh, <laughs> despite, you know, what's going on around us, hopefully we'll be able to find a way to do that thing safely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I love fountain pens. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. so cool. Unique. I'm a tinkerer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the last question is, again, a pretty big one, but I think if you had to give one piece of advice to a young woman entering the workforce today, you know, maybe hoping to follow in your footsteps, what would your advice be? Yeah, I don't know if I can distill it down to one. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say first allow yourself, seek out experiences to help you figure out what sparks your fire. What are you passionate about? Um, You know, I shared with you a little earlier, I love what I get to do every day and the folks that I work with um, day in and day out. We spend a considerable amount of our lives working. Why not seek out ways and places and spaces to give of yourself to get in return certainly financial reward for your contributions and your insights and your impacts, but also to have a personally enriching experience. Um, And I think one sure way to have that culmination of experiences is to to be very thoughtful about what what allows you to um, most fully activate and engage. Um, And then I would say, right, because we're very much products of our environment, seek out folks and places and spaces that align with what it is you hope to do. Learn, ask questions, don't be shy, um, allow, allow yourself to see that thing and pursue it until, you know, unless and until um, it no longer feels rewarding or enriching or compelling for you, which is a sure sign there might be something else for you to do. Um, and that's okay, right? This, this notion of um, we've got to do one thing and be one thing. I don't, I don't ascribe to that by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think we have to. Um, I think we're meant to live dynamic lives. Um, And so figure out what those things are that feel good and feel healthy to you and find folks that are doing them um, and ask them, talk to them, make that thing happen. I think those are great takeaways and it really was a delight to chat with you. So thank you so much. I so enjoyed it, Eleanor. Thank you for the time and the opportunity. 